the English language is sometimes a funny thing. If I was to ask you, how are you doing? I'm guessing that I would broadly get a similar answer from most of you where you would say something like, I'm good, thanks. Meaning that you're well, or maybe that you're healthy, or that you're in fine spirits or something along those lines. Similarly, if I was to ask you, how was your dinner last night? Hopefully, at least some of you would say, yeah, it was pretty good. Meaning that it was of sufficient quality or comparably better than other meals you've had in your life. Or if I was to ask you, how far did you run or how far did you walk this morning? You might say, well, yeah, I ran a good distance. Meaning that it was quite long or as much as you had uh, hoped to run. And all three answers use the word good, but they mean different things. In fact, the English dictionary has 42 potential meanings for the word good. It got me thinking, who on earth thought that it was a good plan? See what I did there? To come up with one word that means 42 different things. And I'm sure if you're watching this in English, it's your second language. You'll be resonating with the craziness of the situation. This word good is one that we use a lot in Christian circles. We sing about goodness. The Bible is literally full of occasions all the way from Genesis to Revelation where things are referred to as good. In fact, more than 600 times it's referenced the word good in the Bible. And the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ, is often referred to as the good news. For some of you, your Bibles will be called the good news Bible. So because I like a challenge, or perhaps because I've been stitched up by Harley in the sermon planning, today we're going to try and tackle this huge topic, continuing our God is series by exploring the truth that God is good. Now, in the same way that there are 42 different meanings for the word good in the dictionary, so there are many, many different aspects of God's goodness. And the truth is we could spend all day on this topic and we wouldn't even come close to capturing everything we could discuss regarding God's goodness. So to make this more manageable, we're going to just concentrate on one story, which I hope will be a helpful illustration of God's goodness to us. Over the past few months, it's been great to delve into some of the divine characters and attributes of God. We've looked at how God is holy, how he's unchanging, how he's all-knowing and pre all-present and all-powerful. And these are wonderful attributes, and I, for one, am delighted to worship this knowable God who is sovereign and all-present and all-powerful and so on. But the reason that these things cause us to worship is because his power and his sovereignty are anchored in his goodness. An all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God who was by nature a tyrant is a completely terrifying thought. And I'm delighted to say that is not the God that we worship. Now, I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that saying that God is good doesn't mean that he's soft or a pushover. Make no mistake about it. God is a holy, righteous, powerful and just God but he is also good. 
And that's exactly what we'll see in our reading from Exodus 33 and 34 today. Firstly, let me just give you some context on the passage. We pick up the story and it's three months since the Israelites have escaped from Egypt. Just a few weeks earlier, they had experienced miracles as the Lord rescued them and enabled them to escape the Egyptian army. And they arrive at Mount Sinai and Moses had gone up the mountain to meet with God. And over the course of 12 chapters from Exodus 19 through 31, it records this dialogue between Moses and God, including God giving Moses the Ten Commandments and giving him instructions around the building of the tabernacle and of how we should worship. Now things are going pretty well. But that's not the case all over. While Moses is meeting with God on top of the mountain, the Israelites become impatient, waiting for Moses to return. And they decide that they want an idol or an image to visibly worship. And so they gather together jewellery and earrings and they fashion together this golden calf, a statue that they choose to worship as an idol. And it's quite striking that it's only three months since the living God had, through miracles, shown tangibly his power and had helped them to escape from Egypt. They'd literally split the sea so they could walk through. And they choose to turn their back on him and worship this man-made idol. And so we see this dialogue between Moses and the Lord and the Lord is angry. He's, he's threatening to destroy the Israelites and effectively start again a nation with Moses. But Moses begs for mercy on the Israelites and the Lord relents. Over the next little while, Moses continues to meet with the Lord in what they call the tent of meeting. And we're told in Exodus 33 and verse 11 that these interactions between Moses and God were just like a man speaks with his friends. Think about that for a second. What would you give to be able to interact with God in an audible way, just like I can meet with you and we can discuss things as a friend? And so then we jump into the story and we pick up in Exodus 33 and verse 13. And it says this, Moses is speaking, he says, Now, therefore, if I found favour in your sight, please now show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favour in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he, God, said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how can it be known that I have found favour in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do. For you have found favour in my sight, and I know you by name. What a beautiful thought. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. 
and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man can, shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And then if we skip down to chapter 34 and verse 4, it says, So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning, and he went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. There's so many things that we can talk about in this interaction. First of all, let's look at chapter 33 and verse 18. And notice something that's really interesting. Moses asked to see God's glory. And the Lord replies that he will cause all his goodness to pass by him. Moses asked for glory and is given goodness. And the reality is that his glory is shown by his goodness. God is glorious because he is good. One of my favourite theologians and writers, Kevin DeYoung, talks about this connection between glory and goodness and he puts it like this. He says the two cannot be separated. If glory is the worth and weight of God, then goodness is the blessing and bounty of God. If glory is the worth and weight of God, then goodness is the blessing and bounty of God. And as we read on, we see that goodness is so overwhelming that Moses is hidden in the cleft of the rock and is covered by God's hand in order that he might not die. Moses can't see God's face and still live, and so he's shown his back instead. The goodness of God is powerful and awe-inspiring. The other thing to note is that God shows his goodness through his name. As he passes by, he proclaims this. He says, the Lord the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. There's so many elements of God's goodness wrapped up in this sentence. His name is good. His mercy is good. His grace is good. His patience with us as sinners is good. His generous love for us is good. His faithfulness is good. It goes on. He is a good God. Now, goodness is this broad term that is covering many things. And it covers both the actions and, really importantly, the character of God. He doesn't just do good. He is good. We sing regularly that God is a good, good father. And it goes on to say, that's who you are. By his nature, within him is goodness. Even the worst, most neglectful, most evil of fathers can occasionally find the capacity to do something that might be seen as good. But that does not make them a good father. 
only God has that perfect good character that makes him good. In the song, it goes on to say, you're perfect in all your ways. So this evil father can do something good, but his character fails to make him good. Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 10, when he's talking to the young man, it says, no one is good except God alone. And in fact, God can't help but be good. Theologians call this that necessary, that God is necessarily good. He cannot be anything other than perfectly good. It's in his very nature and that determines his actions. Psalm 119 verse 68 reinforces this point when he says, you are good and you do good. God by his nature is inherently good. But God also chooses to communicate his goodness to the world around him. From the beginning of time, we see that God puts his goodness on display. This is born out in the creation story as God moulds and shapes beauty and he builds the world that we see around us. And he looks on and he says, this is good. And then he creates man and he looks on and he says, this is very good. The land and the seas and the animals and the plants, they all point to God's goodness. The magnitude of space and the microscopic detail of science, they're all pointing to the goodness of God. The heavens declare the goodness of God and the skies above proclaim his handiwork. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. That's the picture that's painted for us in Psalm 19. Dinah Carnikin, our neighbour and fellow member of our church, absolutely loves sunsets. Very regularly we get a picture sent through of a beautiful sunset that she's taken a photo of. Or a message saying, guys, go look out the window. Look at the sunset. And there's something in her reaction to that that is worship. It provokes her to worship God. And I think it's in these moments that Psalm 19 should come to life for us. The skies are literally crying out, our God is good. The red and the pink is, is crying out, look at the goodness of God. The sun is shouting, isn't our God amazing? The stars that God flung into space are reflecting his goodness. And we need to make sure that we are paying attention. Over the past year, many of us have enjoyed the beauty in creation, perhaps more than we have before as we've spent more time outside. And as we do that, let's remember that the Lord is the one who chooses to use creation to communicate his goodness. Let's not grow tired of giving the glory to God when we see beauty. Let's not allow our eyes to grow dim to the goodness of God revealed in creation. So God, by his very nature, is good. And God chooses to communicate his goodness to us. And finally, God voluntarily offers his goodness to us as believers. In verse 19, it says that the Lord says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy 
on whom I will show mercy. As he's showing Moses his goodness, he's reminding Moses of his voluntary extensions of goodness. And on one level, there's no need for God to show grace and mercy to us. He lacks nothing and could easily be an absent or unknowable God. But instead, in his goodness, he chooses to be gracious and merciful to us. He's gracious in that we're sinners and we don't deserve the goodness that he gives to us. And he's merciful in that he comforts and loves and shows goodness to people who are hopeless. He's a benevolent, generous and wonderful God from whom every good and perfect gift comes. And we see his goodness in his provision in our lives. It's testament to his goodness. Jesus illustrates this when he says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your father feeds them. But then he goes on to say, Are you not more valuable than they? As a people who God loves, he shows his goodness in his provision for us. So this idea that God is by his nature good, that God communicates his goodness, and that God voluntarily gives of his goodness to us, all of this culminates in the person of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, God is showing us a tangible living expression of goodness. He's communicating his character and nature through Jesus. Jesus is good and he does good. There are tons of examples where Jesus shows kindness and mercy and love to those who don't deserve it. And of course, the ultimate expression of goodness is a Jesus who would humble himself, come to this earth and die for each one of us to enact a rescue plan for a broken world. So that you and I, if we choose to turn from our sin, choose to turn from our own selfishness, choose to lay that aside and follow Christ so that you and I can bask in the goodness of God forever. It's a wonderful message. And so the question is, what do we do with all of this? Well, as we unpack that, let's think about Moses again for a minute. Firstly, I love the boldness of Moses where he just asks to see God's glory. Bear in mind, this is a man who's seen the Lord in a burning bush. He's witnessed and participated in multiple incredible miracles in Egypt. He's met with the Lord just like a friend. And he was even received the Ten Commandments on stones that were handwritten by the very hand of God. And yet he's still hungry for more. At the beginning of the story, Moses says that he doesn't want to leave this place if God's presence doesn't go with him. He's desperate for the presence of God. What a challenge for each of us. We need to be hungry to meet with and to hear from our God. Let's have that boldness to ask God to show us his goodness, his glory through the Holy Spirit. Then secondly, Moses' response to seeing God's glory is incredible. In chapter 34 and verse 8, it says this, Moses 
quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. That was his first almost reflex reaction. And friends, that needs to be the same for each of us. Our first response to a glimpse of God's glory needs to be that we would be drawn to worship. We need to stand in awe. And yes, maybe some of us need to get over our Scottish conservatism and we need to fall on our face. New Living Translation literally says immediately he threw himself to the ground and worshipped. That should be something of our reaction to seeing the goodness of God. And finally, let's see the effect that Moses' encounter with God's goodness has on those around him. Look at chapter 34 and verse 29. It says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, carrying the tables of the testimony in his hand, as he came down the the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. After seeing the goodness of God, Moses literally radiated God's goodness. And the people were scared of him as a result. In the same way, we need to reflect the goodness of God to those around us. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, goodness. And that goodness should be evident in our interactions with those around us. Just as the goodness of God reflects the character within him, so goodness in our lives should reflect the Holy Spirit living within us. Think about that as you interact with your brothers and sisters in the church. Is it laced with goodness? Think about that as you interact with your friends and colleagues at work. Think about it as you interact with people in a traffic jam or in a supermarket queue that are annoying you. Is it laced with goodness? Holy Spirit within inside us should be evidence of the goodness coming out. As Matthew 12, 13 says, we should bear good fruit. So friends, to wrap us up, God is good. It's in his very nature. His goodness is communicated all around us. He chooses to communicate that. That should be awe-inspiring and it should cause us to worship and that it should cause us to radiate to those around us. And his goodness is available for those who boldly ask for it. And finally, and most importantly of all, in the single most incredible act of history, God's goodness is generally generously given as the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and is available to every one of us. And that is truly good news from a good God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are good. We see it displayed all around us. Thank you that by your very nature, you are good. Thank you that you choose to communicate that goodness to us. Thank you that that goodness is available to us through your generosity and your provision, your mercy and your grace. And above all, thank you that you sent In your goodness, you sent Jesus to make it possible for us to be made right with you, to be saved, and to bask in your goodness forever. 
Lord, I pray that this wouldn't be just something we know intellectually, but it would be something that infects and determines our daily lives. For those who don't yet know you, I pray that they would be drawn to humble themselves and to lay themselves aside and to choose to follow you and to bask in your goodness. And for those of us who do, I pray that we would seek after you, that your Holy Spirit would fill our hearts and that we would radiate that goodness to those around us. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you show us your goodness through your word and through creation. And we give you all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' precious name.